Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Experts Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. I will be joined by David Blackman, my co-host, who is also the editor of Shell Magazine, as well as one of our great partners, which is Jason Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Once a month, we produce a live show in which we encourage you, the listeners, to call in and ask Jason, David, or sometimes even myself, an oil and gas question. If you want to partake in the show, please call 210-308-8867 or the 866-308-8866 number. Um, You can also text us um, or Facebook us your question. A lot of questions uh, we will get to today on today's show is, uh, of course, uh, we have an election coming up. There's a lot of questions on climate change. Uh, and uh, anti-fracking bans. How will this affect us? If President Trump wins, how does this affect the oil and gas uh, industry? And of course, if Joe Biden wins, how does that affect the oil and gas industry? So we we encourage you to call in. All questions are welcome. Again, that phone number is 210-308-8867. But before I bring the guys on, I'd like to talk to you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. And that's because uh, the cover is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Lines of Energy Producers. We were really excited to catch up with him uh, because he is a fairly new leader at the Texas Alliance, but he is certainly not a newbie when we talk about oil and gas. He has served the majority of his career, uh, serving uh, elected officials that have a lot of uh, parts or a lot of moving parts pertaining to oil and gas. And his last uh, career opportunity was with the uh, Texas Railroad Commission working under Christy Craddock. So if you want to learn all about Jason and the Alliance, I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's shellmag.com in which you can read all about Jason, his leadership, and the Alliance. And, you know, I'm pretty excited because next issue will be our women's issue. Um, We do this once a year. We uh, look at a lot of women that are really breaking down barriers, breaking that glass ceiling, if you will, uh, in the energy industry. And uh, they're making their way uh, through a typically uh, well-known industry that has been pretty much male dominant. And now we have a lot of women that are really truly making a difference. Uh, And so we're running a trivia question with one of our other partners, Fogo de Chao. If you've never been there, it's an amazing Brazilian steakhouse. And so the trivia is, if you can guess who and what female it will be on the cover in our uh, November, December issue, uh, you will win a $75 gift certificate. If you are the first one to email us at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And I'll give you one little hint. It is, of course, a female who has been in the energy industry for many, many, many years uh, and has focused, she works for a major service company, and she has focused a lot on diversity and inclusion. So if you think you know who this woman is, please 
feel free to email us, radio at shellmag.com, and tell us who you think it is. Um, and now I would like to bring on the co-host, uh, my co-host, David Blackman, as well as the editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to the show. We've missed you. Uh, uh, you have been kind of spotty coming in and out of the show. Uh, how are things going yeah, sure there? Uh, I, I know you had a little bit of some well, issues. medical. now. Good, good, good. Well, you know, we, we did miss you because uh, you definitely have a lot of great opinions that we love to uh, ask you about when it comes down to oil, gas, what's going on in the election. Uh, and so uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, before we bring on Jason, uh, let me give our listeners one last uh, opportunity to get the phone number. It's 210-308-8867. And now I'd like to welcome on our guest, David, if that's okay with you. It is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you, Kim, for having me. It's a great time to be with you. You know, uh, you you agree to come on once a month, and, and we are very, very grateful for that because uh, there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding when we talk about oil and gas. Now the election, put that in there. COVID-19, how is that affecting everyone pertaining to oil and gas who either works in it or does not work in it? And so we're happy uh, once a month when you uh, give us a little bit of your time to uh, talk to the callers and, and take the calls. This show will be very uh fast paced because we have a lot of questions that have been sent in and a lot of uh, callers I'm sure that will be calling in and then we also have a lot to cover. So if you don't mind, I want to get started with a few of these questions because uh, they uh, there's a lot of them. Uh, and my first question that I kind of want to just get your opinion on is uh, the upcoming election. Uh, President Trump just yesterday signed a uh, executive order uh, to protect fracking. And, um, and it was, a, you know, there's a lot to go through on what was specifically in there. And hopefully, uh, David, uh, you and I can go through that, uh, what it specifically covers. But the quote is, under my administration, we no longer are beholden to foreign powers or domestic radicals. Um, and we are powering our nation on our own terms, President Trump. Give me your opinion, then, David, I like yours. What did this, why was it necessary for him to do it right now? What does the ban include to you? What was the significance for the energy industry? Jason, I'll start with you. Well, I think it's important that he continues to emphasize American innovation and American jobs. Um, uh, just some highlights from the, the uh, uh, announcement. It, it's resulted in a 63% reduction in the price of gas. Uh, that's resulted in economic output and benefit millions of jobs um, uh, and just a, a drop in energy prices that helps other industries and frankly that helps American families and so I think that is the president's main thrust and, and focus is to say look th these are good things that are happening in our country and we need to foster and encourage them uh, rather than uh, throw out policies uh, like the Green New Deal that would result in abandoning that innovation and uh, allowing other competitors around the world to, to take advantage. David, can I ask you, why do you think President Trump needed to sign an executive order just a few days before the election? Well, I, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a uh, presidential campaign. Um, it's good politics for one thing. The Pennsylvania is the swing state in this election. I think the whole thing, frankly, is going to come down to that state. Um, 
There, there are ways for President Trump to get to 270 electoral votes without Pennsylvania, but there's no way for Mr. Biden to do so. Uh, second, you know, is is that uh, hydraulic fracturing has been an incredible benefit to the American economy. Um, without hydraulic fracturing uh, and the boom in shale production over the last decade, uh, economic growth in America would have been very anemic. And um, so it's a big deal. It's just a huge benefit for the country. It's a huge benefit for us from an energy security perspective, from a world security perspective, so that we don't have any big incentive to intervene in more wars in the Middle East. You know, President Trump has been getting us out of those wars and getting peace deals signed between those countries and Israel. Uh, we don't want to stop that. We want to keep that going. And the shell boom is a big enabler of all of that. He doesn't talk about that part of it enough, in my opinion. But, but it truly is. So I, you know, I just think this was a smart political move. Uh, it's good for the country, and I'm really glad he did it. Well, we're going to get uh, onto a topic here shortly on uh, national security and, of course, OPEC. There was a question that came in. But before we, we, we move on, I, I you know, in this executive order, it also talks about protecting national security. We are, we're a show that normally does not discuss uh, too much politics unless it pertains to oil and gas. And in some ways it does because, uh, you know, we, we have a laptop that is surfaced by uh, Hunter Biden. But inside that laptop, there's a lot of things coming out, and some of them are what has been occurring with China and other countries. That being said, there's also the media that is in some ways being uh, playing, you know, politics with the story and not basically putting it out there. And then the last thing, of course, is the fact that we have, you know, if he gets elected, um, do we have a problem on our hands that it's not going to go away because there's an investigation going on right now with Hunter Biden. So my question, though, um, is, you know, is this a, also a problem with national security when we look at uh, the oil energy or the energy industry and um, what's happening with natural gas? Will that be something that's going to come into play? Jason, can I get your answer real quick before we go to break? Your opinion? Absolutely. We need to produce uh, fuels here in the United States and not be beholden to the Middle East or to China. Um, uh, tanks and jets don't work with solar power and wind power. Um, uh, so you got to have fuel and you want that fuel to come from an American resource or our allies. But but uh, more importantly, a North American resource is the best place for our military to get those fuels. Do you think that there's a possibility that in the um, in an administration with Biden that this, you know, fracking ban and having to look at oil and gas, uh, especially looking at China and uh our vulnerability potentially is going to become a problem uh, should he be elected. I'm going to leave us with that because I'm going to roll into when we come back from break a question that came in on OPEC too because they kind of run together. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The 
Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. We're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, who is the editor of Shell Magazine. Uh, guys, before the break, I, I brought up a question that's a little out of our wheelhouse pertaining to uh, the oil and gas sector and, of course, an executive order that President Trump just signed protecting fracking. But my question is, uh, we have uh, thus far, we know that there have been some things surfacing that have not really been covered in main media about uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, in which there's a laptop. And now there is an investigation that has uh, surfaced as well from the FBI and uh, looking into Hunter Biden. And my question, though, is, you know, there is a significant problem potentially looming for Russia or, or with us with Russia and uh, China, if uh, Biden should be elected. I guess my question is, there's a vulnerability there uh, with maybe national security. How prevalent do you think this is for the oil and gas sector, Jason? I mean, is this something that should he be elected uh, would become a problem for the oil and gas sector? What is your opinion? Well, I think David said it best in the last segment that that we really have been challenged over the last 50 years by being dependent upon the Middle East and other countries that are less than favorable uh, with our energy security. And and really under this administration, we've gained a level of security and independence that that we haven't had for for a long time. Um, And and that's really the strength that both uh, this current administration and hopefully, uh, 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 barring a, a, a bad uh, election on, on Tuesday, um, a Biden administration would recognize that there is value in having American energy security and still want to uh, uh, rely and, and offer this industry the opportunity uh, to produce here in the United States. I mean, that's really uh, the, the answer. Uh, oil and gas is not Republican or Democrat, um, but we need partners 
working with us in Washington and in Austin to allow us to do our job and, and uh, provide the energy security that this country needs. Exactly. David, um, you wrote a piece this morning on DB Energy, um, and I really enjoyed that piece. I shared it on our social media platforms. I want to get your opinion on what is the biggest problem here, um, potential looming, and, of course, um, give us your opinion, your spin on this. On how the election is going to go? No, like with um, – is there a security, national security issue oh. here looming? Should Biden win? Well, sure. We have a, Absolutely. I, we have a big problem. Yeah, I right. mean, uh, this family's gotten money from China. It's gotten money from Ukraine. It's gotten money from Russia. The wife, the widow of a Russian oligarch, uh, wired her his son three and a half million dollars for something that's never been explained because no one in the news media will ask the question. So yeah, I bet. Obviously, these are problems that the media should have been on and insisting on getting answers to before this election comes and goes. Um, but it's just you know, not well. You know, we'll, we're getting off into a, a tangent again with like, well, the FBI's had it, but it's surfacing now. And I guess, yes, you know, we we how does this appear when we look at other countries like OPEC and Saudi Arabia? Uh, should Biden get in? Um, you know, there's a lot of questions already being questioned about just OPEC and their entrance into the United States. Why are they hiring lobbying groups? Why are they talking to media here? And there's a question that I, I'm going to ask you guys in a minute, but I guess I want to you know, just get our listeners thinking about this has really bigger implications all the way around. Um, it, I'm not saying I'm for you know, Trump or Biden. I'm just saying we really need to think about these things. Um, there uh, have been some questions brought up to us about the lobbying activity in Saudi Arabia in rural United States like Maine, South Dakota, and Iowa, um, and their connection into energy policies, including the RFS and any other special uh, legislation. And uh, what the question that's come in for you guys is um, with the um, Saudi Arabia seeming to have lobbyists that are focusing on the ethanol industry, um, doesn't it seem like they're kind of clashing with oil producers? And do they support, do you think the Saudis support the extension of RSF? And are they trying to, you know, in some way uh, put a wet blanket, if you will, over the strategies over their competitors here in the United States, the oil and gas uh, energy industry? Jason, what do you think about that question? And, of course, here we go again with another global implication. Well, that absolutely could be the case. You know, uh, the only reason we know that information is because there is a federal law requiring uh, uh, agents to, to register if they're paid on behalf of foreign governments. It's called the Foreign Agent Registration Act, and, and we have something similar here in Texas as well that, that mimics it uh, when a lobbyist is paid by a foreign government. It's something to, to track and keep uh, uh uh, make sure people are aware of it, uh, in particular uh, uh, lobbyists and some of the business dealings going on with these individuals. But um, we we value investment in the United States. Uh, we value when when companies are invested in, and so I, I think a lot of this is is sourced to some of that. Um, I don't think it's nefarious. Um, uh, I hope it's not, um, uh, and hope it's basically just monitoring uh, their investments in the United States, but. Uh, it's worth looking into. Is there a direct competition between ethanol? I mean, I thought that ethanol, the blends were changed over in the refineries. David, I know you and I have had um, many discussions on this on the radio. So isn't it kind of coming together? The oil and gas uses uh, ethanol as well, correct? 
Um, so, is, yeah, we have to blend it in our gasoline. Right. Um, you know, to some extent. I, you know, ethanol's fine. Ethanol doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't really help anything. But it has uh, this uh, renewable fuel standard at the EPA that's existed since uh, the early part of the George W. Bush presidency, uh, for better or worse. And, um, you know, so about half of our nation's corn crops go to making corn ethanol uh, every year instead of feeding the world. And um, we blend it into our gasoline. It doesn't make any difference in any real environmental sense. But... um, but it's there, and, and because Iowa is a big corn state, it's going to continue to be there because Iowa is the first, uh, pre, you know, contest in every presidential race. David, um, I have to break in here real quick. So We're gonna take anyway, a, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back talking about Saudi Arabia when we return. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, please call 210-951-2483. Again, that number is 210-951-2483. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Guys, we are, are packed with questions, so I'm going to switch gears and start getting to some of our callers. Uh, Clint, uh, are you there? Line one, what is your question for Jason? David? Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, yes, if Biden was to win, he says that he will ban fracking on federal lands. Yet we still need energy resources. Wouldn't we have to import again like in the past? And, you know, isn't the whole point to limit fracking for the environment? So how do we get ahead if we just outsource it to another country? And also, last I checked, we all live on the same planet. Makes sense. Thank you for calling in. I know you've called in before. We appreciate you calling in. All right. Uh, we got we got, we got a lot here to, to debunk, which is, you know, I think it's it's kind of safe to say this is a little confusing for the average person to understand what's happening. Jason, take take the question. Well, I mean, the quick uh, uh, analysis for Clinton, thanks for the call, is that 25 percent of the U.S. production would be cut off uh, by, by phasing out uh, fracking on federal lands. And that would include uh, uh, those offshore opportunities. And look, that's just a, a, an opportunity for uh, the best widget out there. Uh, for the U.S. government to say stop using it. It makes zero sense. Um, to, to his other points, uh, he's absolutely right. We would become dependent on foreign sources of energy to make up for that difference, uh, raising cost here, raising cost uh, to produce items and manufacture items. Uh, and, and that has led in the past to those uh, factories and those opportunities 
moving overseas. Um, uh, you know, Jason Isaac over at Life Powered has a great phrase of we export jobs and we import pollution um, because other countries wow, around the world. Wow, that's, that's great. I like that. Say that one more time. <laughs> export jobs and import pollution yeah. because we don't have the same environmental standards in other countries. And so what you do is you chase out the good actors in the United States and they can go overseas and all of a sudden they've got an easier time. They can pollute more, uh, unfortunately, overseas. Um, and we import that pollution uh, by buying those products. So it, it, it's really um, uh, a remarkable thing that the energy sector has been able to do in the United States over the past five years. Um, and why would we want to abandon that? Uh, so I think what we should be doing is keeping it here and letting our greatest minds go to work to figuring out how to do it greener. David, I know you have a lot of questions. Take it over, buddy. Well, you know, um, let's let's talk about Texas for a minute, Jason. Um, we, we have this statewide race for the Railroad Commission seat uh, between Jim Wright, the Republican, and Krista Castaneda, the Democrat. It looks like it's going to be a fairly close contest, I think, uh, Texas is a little closer this year than it has been in some past years. Uh, we saw Mike Bloomberg come in and, and inject two, almost two and a half million dollars into uh, Ms. Castaneda's campaign last week. I'm just wondering, curious if you think that's going to have a big impact on, on that race. I think it'll have a late impact on that race, and, and, and that certainly means that it's going to tighten uh, that, that otherwise would not have been as close. Uh, uh, Jim's from the oil and gas industry. He's, he's worked in the oil and gas industry, has a perspective at the Railroad Commission and at the legislature to improve things. Uh, that's why uh, uh, we're enthusiastically supporting him and his campaign. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, uh, we have a very talented trial lawyer uh, that is ex uh, that is executing a plan, a trial plan to try to get in and win. And uh, unfortunately, Mike Bloomberg and a number of other out-of-state environmentalists uh, have poured a lot of money into that race. Uh, last count I saw was over $3.3 million, and that resulted in a multi-million dollar media buy that unfortunately we've had to watch every weekend as we're watching um, – uh, uh, baseball and, and other sporting events uh, with these commercials popping in saying flagrantly untrue items um, uh, that, that flaring is illegal um, and, and other kind of just spurious claims uh, that unfortunately are being hurled right now. Hmm. And it, look, the industry is doing a lot in that space. The Railroad Commission has done a lot uh, to, to reduce emissions and, and get us on the right path. And unfortunately, you'd be electing a Green New Deal Democrat uh, that would that would make probably things worse here in Texas. Let's yep, take a break. Right. We'll be right back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Remember this name, oil field experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. 
And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, with my co-host, David Blackman, editor of Shell Magazine. And we are talking to Jason Modulin, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Gentlemen, before the break, we were talking about the very heated Texas Railroad Commission uh, election that's occurring right now. David, I want to give this back to you because I know you want to stay on the path of what's happening in the election. But let's keep in mind that I would like to try to get to flaring in upcoming session, too. What are we looking Just at? One, one more question, then we can go, go to that. Uh, on the Texas legislature, Jason, as you're right, there is a lot of out of state money coming in behind Democratic candidates, not just Miss Castaneda, but also legislative candidates. Uh, do you see any chance of the uh, Democrats taking over majority in the Texas House of Representatives in this in this election? I hope not. Um, look, we've seen over 9.6 million Texans already vote. It's projected that it's going to reach 12 million on Tuesday, uh, and it's certainly going to narrow. Uh, uh, I don't think there's any question about that. The, the Republicans in the Texas House currently have an eight-seat majority. Um, so nine seats uh, going the other way could could flip that. Um, but everything that we are hearing and seeing on the ground is that um, uh, Republicans will maintain the majority in the Texas House. And, and that's a good thing uh, for them uh, going into the next legislative session with uh, redistricting. But also uh, it's a good thing for the oil and gas sector to not have uh, a tax increase or, or new fees coming out of the legislature. Yeah. And David, I know you had a question for also about the upcoming session. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, just on the session that starts in January. Talk about what you see and the, the alliance sees as some of the important issues that uh, the industry might be facing uh, when the legislature convenes. Absolutely. So I think it's going to be a tight budget session, as I said before, that uh, Comptroller Hager has put out a revenue estimate that is going to see a reduction in anticipated revenues. Uh, of, of tens of billions of dollars. Uh, thankfully, they didn't spend all the money last time, so they, they have a little bit of a cushion there. They also instructed state agencies to cut back. Uh, that started actually in March, and, and so it's resulted in some savings. And, and then we've seen some federal stimulus dollars come in uh, as part of this COVID response. And so what the comptroller projected was about a $5 billion shortfall to close out this current biennium. And then uh, for the next session, uh, they will have to make some additional cuts in the budget. But thankfully, the oil and gas sector has put in $8.8 billion in severance taxes that have gone to the rainy day fund. That's the economic stabilization fund. And that's going to cover that shortfall and hopefully prevent them from from wanting to engage in tax increases. Uh, As I mentioned, uh, they have redistricting and and they have to pass a budget. Those are kind of their two constitutional obligations. On the on the uh, oil and gas agenda, uh, we're going to try to be working towards eminent domain reform, and that's a, a a policy proposal that we've been working on with landowner groups, past several sessions, to really strengthen uh, those protections that already exist, uh, a strong private property rights state, but we want um, uh, less the. Uh, smaller, less sophisticated landowners to really have access to the same tools that large landowners do. And so that's common easement terms. That's more information on the front end. And also a a solution if they think that a right-of-way agent or a landman has been abusive in some way to have some sort of recourse uh, uh, with that agent. We we think those are good common sense proposals um, that doesn't 
overly tip the balance and stop investment in this state, uh, but still provide some certainty for uh, not only pipelines, but roads, uh, uh, cities and counties, as well as electric utilities that, that need the, the uh, ability to expand and, and serve this growing state. Um, David, I, you might have a question about flooring too, but but I, I did want to ask about, I know that the session will have uh, that topic in there as well. And I guess my question to you though is, so flaring is going to come up in session. Uh, either one of you, why is it that we know that there's technology out there that already exists that really can curtail this? Why are we still having these conversations? Is it that it's gonna, it's necessary that, the elect, that, that our elected officials have to pass these laws to make sure that they do this? that they do utilize technology like Aspen tech that has this technology already out there. I don't understand. No, I don't think, I, I don't think that the legislature needs to pass laws regarding flaring. They might look at it and take it up uh, uh, to consider if the railroad commission has done everything it needs to do. Um, and, and you're right that there are some opportunities for technology uh, uh, enhancements and, and uh, expansion. And we hope certainly that companies take advantage of those opportunities when those investments make sense. Um, uh, right now, the big hurdle for operators is infrastructure uh, and that's pipeline infrastructure and the need to continue building that out, continue to invest in the field to have gas takeaway um, is really what we need to see. It's not uh, operators just flaring because they want to. That, no, of course not. There's value there. Um, and they want to be able to capture it. Um, but uh, uh, sometimes the circumstances, particularly with the amount of growth that we've seen in the in the in the state, um, we've had some some difficulty in in infrastructure. Well, you know, we're getting ready to go to break, but I'm just going to say we've we you know, I'm very fortunate to interview a lot of of individuals. And the last one, last couple have been, you know, there's been a lot of discussion at other countries that their people who have not really been environmentally um, sensitive are now becoming sensitive when they see flaring, like the country of Saudi Arabia. They're having to make changes. Uh, we know that we have companies that have technology that exists. And I know that, of course, it has to make economic sense. But at the same time, it, it, it really is a, uh, not in the best interest that, that you know, you keep f- flaring it. And so if technology exists that tells an operator don't drill too much too fast because you're creating it and slows down the machine wouldn't operators want to have advance take advantage of that kind of technology and say and and you know kind of pro- prevent even the creation of this so you don't have to do that not to mention there's also technology out there that captures it and keeps it and then you can repurpose it and reuse it so i do hope it's something that the the railroad commission takes a, a look at and and maybe it's just the price of doing business pertaining to oil and gas because we have to you know commissioner uh christian is right something has to be done we come back from break we're going to get back on the topic of uh, flaring as well as we have a video that has come in as well on a question that a caller has for you guys you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back
The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C., and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine, and my co-host. Barry, can you send uh, put the question on? We have a video uh, question for Jason and David. My question is, what is the forecast for oil and gas in 2021? Do we see a rebound finally coming, or do you see it staying the same? Personally, I'd see it rebounding. As soon as Trump wins his election next week, it will skyrocket. And we can't wait for this economy to build and build and build. Okay. Uh, that was quick and hard to, a I little like hard his to, optimism. I know, yeah, when like President it. Trump that was wins. Great. Okay, Jason, take it away. Tell me um, what he was asking. Well, I mean, we, we saw some positive numbers come out this Friday on rig count. Uh, uh, Texas added eight rigs. Uh, Nationwide, uh, it was nine rigs, so so Texas was the beneficiary of that. We've definitely seen some softer prices. I, I agree with the caller. I think um, uh, we will see a rebound uh, once the president is elected. The, the reverse is uh, uh, kind of true as well, that uh, should Biden be elected, I think prices will go up considerably um, because of the concern uh, for some of his policies. And, and, and that's going to result in higher prices that, that consumers pay. Um, so I, I, I agree. He's on the right track. Well, that's nice to hear. David, uh, I want your opinion. And then, of course, I know you have a, a question for Jason as well. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think we'll have some stronger prices uh, next year and probably uh, regardless of Thank who God. wins the election. Uh, I, I agree that if Biden wins, um, then then the price of crude oil will rise fairly dramatically and along with that the price of gasoline because you know people are going to start anticipating a big ban on fracking and and all the things he's promised to during promised during the campaign um natural gas prices uh i think there's reason to be optimistic they firm up somewhat over the winter uh, it looks like we're going to have a pretty cold winter this time for once so that's nice um and you know i i, I do think the rig count is going to continue to kind of inch up uh, slowly but surely, which is, you know, kind of a healthy thing, really, because it demonstrates that more and more companies are getting, you know, getting themselves able to deal with these lower commodity prices and still continue drilling. So that's a good thing. Um, yes, uh, Jason. So on another question, though, regarding the legislature, you know, we're all dealing with impacts from COVID-19. They continue. Uh, we we see, you know, more new cases uh, being diagnosed here in the U.S. and, and around the world. Uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have 
a busy winter. And I just curious when the legislature meets, obviously they're going to have to deal with all these restrictions too. Uh, and I'm wondering if you've had any insights yet on the kinds of things they may have to implement just in terms of people having access to the Capitol building for one thing. Good question. Hopefully the doors will be thrown open uh, uh, that second week of January to make yeah. sure that people can get in and, and the public has access. And in particular, all the folks that like to, to be down there and monitor what's going on. Um, they have modeled a couple committee rooms with PPE and, and plastic uh, protection items uh, so that uh, both staff and members can be safe. They, they look uh, very strange. Um, I, I think there will be some, some rule changes to allow for members uh, to meet via uh, Zoom. Um, uh, that's currently something that's not allowed uh, by either House or Senate rules. So I think yeah. there will be some of those accommodations made so that they can uh, conduct business and, and the public can still have access. Um, uh, but it, it's going to look different. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, there, there's a number of members um, that have concerns or have health issues, and, yeah. and that brings with it concerns. Um, and until we get uh, therapies that are that are quicker and more effective and the vaccine uh, widespread, we're going to be dealing with this for a while. Looks that way, doesn't it? It's very interesting because it is the you know the public's house, and um, I do understand everyone's uh, concern. But at the same time, um, how do you deny access to the general public, especially when Texas only has meets every two years, and it's vital that uh, their constituents and their desires back home of, of elected officials come and, and, and need to speak to people and, and they need to com convene together. So um, I do have uh, one last question, um, and it is from a lady in Kerrville, and she was asking for, uh, let me read this. It says, Jennifer Amaya, who has a question on the uh, on the debate and afterwards, uh, Biden keeps stating, boy, we're really talking a lot about this election. Uh, we're not going to get rid of fossil fuels. We're going to get rid of subsidies for fossil fuels. What subsidies is he talking about? And is it really possible that we can walk away from oil and gas? And if so, when? Three minutes. Yeah, I, I, I think One he, minute. he's, he's <laughs> basically talking about the U.S. tax code and how uh, companies that invest and build here in the United States are able to take advantage of, of the discounts and, and resources in the U.S. tax code. And so if he's wanting to change that, all he's wanting to do, again, is export those jobs and import that pollution. Uh, I think everybody is talking about energy transition just as technology continues to improve. And there was a great op-ed this past week uh, by a professor out of SMU talking about you don't tax wind, you don't tax solar. Mm -hmm. And so if that's where you wanna move our economy to, what are you gonna do for schools and roads and water right. infrastructure that continues to rely on oil and gas paying over $16 billion into the state last year. Um, how are you going to fund these programs? It, it, it's, it's nice to continue to want to improve and, and uh, make our environment safer and cleaner. Um, but how are you going to pay for these things? So I thought that was a great op-ed this past week. It also, it, it, it almost seems like as we close out the show that there is just so much that is unknown. And when Biden talks about this stuff, you're talking about stuff that, 
no one has com- has any kind of reference of what you're talking about. I think, if anything, right. the United States has proven over and over and over again that we're going to do it, and we're going to do it right, um, or at least we have the capacity of backing up and starting over again if necessary and figuring out. I wouldn't trust another country to be doing that, and yet we're talking about potentially uh, – shutting down fracking, shipping our jobs to other countries, like you said. We still have the whole debacle on, well, we're still in one planet, and so rather China's, uh, you know, polluting the planet, or India or Russia, isn't it all the same thing? There's so much to discuss, and yet we're having these conversations that seem to be non-starters that we shouldn't even be having but guys that's all the show that's all the time we have for this show uh we didn't even get to have the questions that we had but uh you know hey there's a lot to be discussing pertaining to the election so hopefully next time jason when we have you on the show we will be able to get to some more of these questions i'm sure you'll have a whole lot more in the hopper too david thank you again for joining me on the show as well i always enjoy having you on jason same thing too and if anybody wants to learn more about the texas alliance of energy producers they can google texas alliance of energy producers uh or what is the the website texasalliance.org and we'd be more than happy to have them all right well, that's all the time we have for this show. Thank you for joining us, and you have been listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Be sure to like us on Facebook, uh, or you can also go to our website and sign up for a free newsletter if you'd like to also as well. Thank you very much for listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.